Welcome to the Divine Rhyme, a music podcast with culture, with Will Hogsett and Dylan Hughes, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello and welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Divine Rhyme. It's been a while, Hughes. Probably about a month. Mercury's been in retrograde, so it makes sense up in the stars. How you been, brother? Been good, man. Been doing some trekking lately. Mm-hmm. You know, went out to uh, Cali for about a week. That's nice. Been hanging out with my uh, my brothers back in town. Had a friend come from out of town, so I've been like shockingly unproductive for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's kind of been getting to me, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm happy to be back. Happy to be back. Yeah, it's been a while. I've been shockingly unproductive, but uh, what, what's new? What's new? Um, excited to start to talk about some Sturgill Simpson, though. Talked about Mercury and Retrograde. He's got a song, one of my favorites on Sound and Fury called Mercury and Retrograde, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, let's just start off with a little foundation of Sturgill. When did you start listening to him, Hughes? Um, so I was listening to Ryan Rosillo and Chris Long uh, had a podcast. They were talking about NFL, mm-hmm. but they started talking about Sturgill. And I don't know, they, just the way they talked about him really kind of drew me in. And, like, I never heard of him before. So I was like, okay, go ahead and pop him on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a sailor's guide to earth. Yeah. I mean, literally right off the bat, you get smacked in the face. It's like, whoa. Yeah. This is new. And he's he's technically country, but, like, that album didn't really feel country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have never really been much of a country guy before that. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is, this is pretty interesting. And, you know, it... I didn't really like the full album at first. I would, I'm, I pretty much can listen to it straight through now and, and feel pretty good about it. But there was just like four or five songs I really loved. And then it's really for a while, I didn't listen to anything else he had out. But within the past year, I'd say I've really, really gotten invested in him. Picked up on the Bluegrass albums a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not like a little banjo going. No, I I grew up in Rush County, so everyone around me was listening to country music, and I kind of had an oppositional mindset. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm a city boy. I don't listen to fucking country. Fuck country. And plus, I just had all these guys around me listening to country music. I'm like, fuck that shit. I listen to rap a lot more. But, um, you know, I, a couple years, it was the beginning of quarantine and I started listening to uh, just whatever. I was hanging out with a couple friends from Rushville and uh, he played the Sergio Sound and Fury album. And I was he was like, yeah, this is a country artist. And I'm like, what, dude? This is this is a rock album, man. And so that's how I kind of fell in love with Sergio. Then I went backwards into his um, discography. Uh, but I hadn't listened to High Top Mountain. Um, and I know your experience and my experience with Sergil is a lot of his bluegrass stuff that he released in 2020. And a lot of it, a lot of that stuff is just a lot of these songs like recreated. Right. And so what what'd you think of that high top mountain, of course, being his first, um, 
first album released in 2013, I believe, 2013. Um, definitely a country album, but like I said, he remade remade a lot of them into bluegrass. And so what, what, were, what was your impression kind of already hearing a lot of these songs? Yeah, it's it's different because bluegrass is very up tempo. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these songs, the original versions were much slower. Um, so it was interesting to hear the bluegrass version first because you know it's just a much different sound even though they're the same words you mm-hmm. know it's it sounds a lot different and going back i mean i don't think they sound any worse it's just different no. um it, it i thought it was kind of cool to get both sides of it where you get the really up tempo you know you got a lot more strings involved in the bluegrass mm-hmm. and then you go back to country and it's a lot it's a lot slower so it was it was kind of interesting to get both perspectives of that yeah, I, I read somewhere, um, and of course, it was during quarantine whenever I discovered Sturgill. So naturally, you get on YouTube and watch every Sturgill Sunset video that you could find. Um, but I, I I discovered an interview where he said he's like, grew up a bluegrass guy, right? And so all of these songs, at least in his head, were made for bluegrass, um, except for his rock album, which he kind of did separately. Um and it's weird. And he talked about like conforming to uh, the the country kind of standard at that point. Uh, but I, I think you're right. I think it's kind of equally enjoyable to listen to him um, both as the bluegrass and as the uh, country songs, because you do get a different vibe. Like and it, it is weird because it's the same same lyrics, like you mentioned, kind of even same uh, sound in the background, although it is like you mentioned slower, but you still kind of kind of pick it up um pick up a different kind of like understanding of what what he means by the song or a different angle uh to look at the song and i think that's just probably due to how good of a a writer i think sturgill is and i think i think his production's pretty good too and i'm not we'll talk about that a little bit later but sturgill just got away with the words that kind of connects and i was thinking of it trying to compare it to uh, a rap or a hip hop guy or a pop guy. And honestly, it's kind of like Drake. I, I don't know why it's kind of like catchy and it just resonates at least with me. And so what, what, what stands out about Sturgill, at least on this, these initial albums that you, you kind of see continue through his career? Well, you know, it's funny because we, t- we talk about foundation all the time. And like, again, the more we do this podcast, what is this our third artist now Mm -hmm. i think so with each artist so far we continue to see how important these early compositions are you know like hill high top mountain it's kind of funny if you look i talked about this before but if you look at the genius page you can see how much these songs are being viewed like who is coming and clicking to see the lyrics of this song Mm -hmm. and for high top mountain i think there's only three or four of the songs that actually show views Mm -hmm. because I imagine the rest of them, no one's looking at. And the top, it said like 80,000 people have clicked to view lyrics for this album. 80,000 people is nothing. Yeah. That's, that's like less than the town I live in. You know, that's, that's like, I mean, 80,000 people seems like a lot, but we're talking about one of the biggest country bluegrass artists in the world. Mm-hmm. And his first album only had 80,000 views. Obviously it had way more listeners than that, but 
I mean, did it, did it even cross a million? Like have a million people listen to this album? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. yeah. And, but when you look at everything since like this, this album was a great foundation because he kind of sets the tone for the negatives of life. I would say uh-huh. like he really, he really lays out, you know, the, some of the drones of day-to-day life and depression. And he talks a lot about, you know, the sad stuff, which for country is pretty common. Um, but for his, his discography on his own, he, he kind of flips that even just in the next album that we're going to talk about later. Like he, he flips it pretty quick. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought, as you mentioned, the, the lyricism is really good. Like just the way he describes things is very unique um so yeah his his ability to say things in the way he says them and like match the tone uh i think is tremendous yeah and you talked about saying a foundation um you know i think this is really really good for sturgill because throughout his whole career you see him we and it's funny we talk about progression and all this all of our artists but like really with sturgill more than i think any of the other j cole or schoolboy that we're, we're we've covered right after right right as his first album release he immediately starts progressing into a different sound different ideas different and you continue to see that throughout his next you know the rest of his discography and it's it, that's something about sergio that i think kind of draws the listener back as well because you're you're getting something that sounds, you know, like Sturgill, but it's not just like that old album, whether it's kind of, um, whether it's this initial high top mountain, um, country album, this is what I, that's what I got from high top, high top mountains, starting off as a country artist. That's what he grew up knowing that would, that would be most comfortable to go into. Um, but you know, with that being said, there's still some really, really good songs on this album. Um, Probably my favorites. I'm gonna name a couple. Uh, I like the water. I like the slower water in the well, and then uh, I like the you could have the crown, which isn't you know uh, that much slower in in this version, but still. So Hughes, what 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 were some of your favorite songs on this one? Yeah, I also like water in a well. Um, I believe that I believe he did that for his NPR Tiny Desk concert. I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny. We talk about perspective all the time with songs. I remember being at IEPY. It was probably first semester of our senior year. And I was watching the, uh, his tiny desk concert. And that was like my initial discovery of him. So again, like I said earlier, there was just some stuff I didn't like, cause I didn't really like the sound much back then. Mm-hmm. And I listened to the Tiny Desk concert and I was like skipping through songs because I'm like, I don't really like that song. I don't like that song. But I listened to it recently and because I got on a Billy Strings binge, as, as I talked to you about. Mm-hmm. And and his and Sturgill's NPR concert came up. All right, all right, let me click on this and see if anything's changed. And like I listened to it straight through and it was it was great, you know. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's it's just funny how the perspective changed. I mean, if you asked me if I was going to like bluegrass like a year ago, I would have called you an idiot, yeah. you know? And yeah. now, now I got to mix it in with my, with my fucking future. Yeah. Like I'll have future one, one second and Billy strings the next. It's like, 
I don't know. I don't know what's happening, but I'm not. I like it. I like it. So that, I uh, think I think that's interesting. Uh, I'm going to cut you off real quick, Hughes. I think it's interesting to look uh, about the impact of YouTube on um, kind of more instrumental based music and like artists. Right. Because so I, here's here's the question I want to ask you. What's is it? Is there a difference? Uh within the YouTube content between like rappers and pop music compared to uh, a lot of bluegrass or country or a lot of like guitar guitar uh, based music, because I know that's how I at least kind of find a lot of the songs that I like, not necessarily just coming through the albums, but watching live versions on like YouTube or for, or for example. Yeah. It's just a different experience because, and I don't know if it's necessarily the music, but it's, it's the instruments I think change uh, because if you listen to a rap song, that's like fully produced on Apple music or Spotify or whatever, like you're getting the best version of that. And for the most part, unless you're in concert and you feel that energy, it's going to be worse. Mm-hmm. Like the, the vocals are going to sound worse. You know, you're going to have, you know echo with the music like it's just not going to be as good of an experience and i think that's why you don't see rappers do a lot of like tv talk shows or whatever you know and you see some but i just don't think their music resonates the same way in person that it does just through your headphones Mm -hmm. but in when you have a lot of instruments involved and you can actually see them playing the instruments it's different yeah. And like, that's why that, like, that I got into such a huge Billy strings binge because he's got like everyone on that stage has an instrument in their hand and being able to watch them strum is just so entertaining. You know, yeah. it's, it's like, man, like watching someone pick a banjo. God, man, it just <laughs> gets me going. Yeah. It just gets me going. Cause the thing about the banjo is you could, I think it's the one instrument that you can't really play slow. Yeah. It just doesn't really no work chance. the same if you play yeah. it slow. <laughs> so they're constantly, they're going at it constantly. Yeah. And it's just fun to watch that. And like that, that was the reason why people talk about Mac Miller's uh, Tiny Desk concert too, because of how good it was. And because there's a lot of instruments on that stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had that stage packed full of background singers and instruments. And it's just a different vibe when you can see all the moving parts of a composition yeah, and with rap, it's a computer, you know, mm-hmm. you've got a rapper and a producer and, and some guys will throw some actual instruments in, but it's just not as, it doesn't feel as like man-made mm-hmm. as any other kind of music does. And that's not like a, a knock on rap. Cause obviously I listen to rap a lot, but it's just different. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm kind of thinking of like Kanye's Sunday service choirs, right? The way he was able to kind of create a lot of the sounds just with a choir and then obviously some instruments. Like it, there, there's ways that you could do it in, in uh, hip hop and rap. Obviously, Kanye's music is a lot different than uh, a lot of the mainstream artists, but there is something about being able to kind of see it all be put together while listening to uh, the song being, you know, sung that kind of just, I don't know, adds to it. And obviously when, whenever it's in person, it's going to be, 
it makes it just that much because you could feel the energy. It makes it just that much better. Talk about in person and talk about Billy Strings, Dylan Hughes. We got Billy Strings coming to uh, Garfield Park in Indianapolis, Indiana in August. And boy, am I looking to it. I mean, I, I got the tickets pre-release. I was talking to my friend Jarrett today uh, or yesterday about it. And we're like, dude, gates open at 10 a.m. It's seat yourself. We might just grab a cooler, grab a couple of chairs, wait, wait outside, wait outside them gates. <laughs> and because it's like, you know, being right there, right next to Billy Strings while he's while he's plucking. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I need to get on that and get those tickets. As soon as I saw he was coming here, I was like, oh, boy, I texted you instantly because mm-hmm. you, you sent me some Billy Strings like months ago. And I think I listened to the one song you sent. I'm like, yeah, that's good. I downloaded the album and like I didn't really look much beyond that. But I don't know what happened. I think I found him on YouTube again during a binge or something. And I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. like now I got like half of that album on my playlist. Like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. And like. It's funny because like my dad grew up like on country and bluegrass and. He was like shocked. He like walked past my room. I had it blaring. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you listening to? I'm like, I'm listening to bluegrass, baby. Yeah. No. I'm diving head first into it. Yeah. I, I have a similar experience too. Cause my dad, um, we used to go to like bluegrass concerts and stuff like that. And I, I always grew up. I'm like, dude, I don't like country. I don't, there's no way I like bluegrass. And I remember just as a kid, my dad would be like, um, yeah, this is a banjo son. <laughs> and that's what a banjo sounds like and i'm like shit <laughs> and so i always kind of knew like the idea of it because my dad would just like he loved it and he'd, he'd tell me all about like you know mandolin and the banjo and the um thinking what's another he's like where the when i whenever i told him i was listening to bluegrass again he's like do you know the four four uh components of a, of a bluegrass song and i'm like uh banjo mandolin uh, acoustic guitar and i can't think of the other one can't think of the other one but uh the fiddle of course the fiddle how could i forget but it's just weird how that kind of comes full circle um and so uh, you know billy strings and and sturgill are a bit different but they have the, they have the same wh- what is it maybe you could answer hughes because i don't they have a similar kind of vibe to them uh, and they're both different obviously billy strings is a master guitar player so i mean so is sergio but billy you really see that so what 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 are some of the similarities uh between billy strings and sergio i know this is a sergio podcast but still i think it's important to kind of understand like why these guys kind of are set above uh, a lot of the other other kind of stadium country music artists yeah i scrolling through some youtube comments i mean there's a lot of like old bluegrass fans that love these two guys mm-hmm. because i think the reason we like both of them so much is because they're kind of considered new age bluegrass mm-hmm. and it's just i guess it's a little more exciting like i haven't really listened to i have listened to a little bit other bluegrass just trying to to kind of feel it out a bit more and it's it's good because I love the instrument so much. Like mm-hmm. I, don't, I honestly don't even care like what the, the singer sounds like. Like I just want to hear, I want to hear some banjo plucking, man. Mm-hmm. Like that's <laughs> what I'm here for. But there's just something about them. Yeah. And they are very different. Um, but, you know, 
the cut and grass albums, I think, give you a good a good feel for what he can do. Because mm-hmm. I mean, he went full in on bluegrass, like that. That's what those two albums are about. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I I don't think I can really put the pieces together about like what makes them so good compared to some of these other guys. But I just I think I mean for Sturgill, I think having different a different background with music almost helped him uh, just getting different perspectives because we've talked about this recently how music nowadays has become a mishmash of genres Uh and i mean sturgill's a great example Uh i mean he's basically performed in three different genres at this point Uh you know like there's not a lot of not a lot of guys that can say that Uh and i mean billy strings has pretty much been straight bluegrass but I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's just talent, but yeah. I mean, they, they clearly are different. Yeah. They just like have an ear for what, what sounds good and how to kind of relay that to, to, to the people. Let's get back on Sturgill. We'll, we'll have, we'll have our time with Billy strings. I do love Billy strings so much, but what, what about this comparison uh, for Sturgill? Sturgill Simpson, uh, his genre being like the new era of positionless basketball in the NBA, having, you know, the guy that could kind of do everything, um, but at the same time do it pretty well, right? Because, and we'll we'll start talking about these more albums more, but Sturgill (laughs) as a whole, like we mentioned, is just so, I mean, he's got a rock album, he's got whatever you want to call um, Sailor's Guide to Earth, and he's got a couple bluegrass bluegrass albums. Um, so, what do you like? What do you think about that? Maybe Sturgill being the LeBron James country music. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like there's, it it fits really well. I mean, he just, and you know, looking at the three things he's done, it's all those genres are built around acoustic, right? Yeah. So, I think there's just something with that that he's he just knows the acoustic sound and that's what's kind of nice about the acoustic is that it is you can't box it into one area like you know bluegrass banjo fiddle like those are pretty straight you know bluegrass Mm -hmm. you try to use them elsewhere and someone's gonna say oh is it bluegrass you know like you can't you're gonna box those in Mm -hmm. um electric guitar is pretty much rock Mm-hmm. You know, drums, I guess you can, drums and piano can fit into anything, but acoustic literally can fit into anything. And I think he's kind of figured out that he can he can build a song around that and he can change, you know, he can change the sound and make it work. Yeah, you could put a lot of different sounds like layering behind the acoustic um, guitar to change the vibe completely, you know, and I think just start talking a bit more about high top mountain. I think something I really appreciate about this album is it wasn't so compared to some of the songs uh, on cutting grass, like you could actually, you know, take time and kind of understand it and listen to it a little bit more because you're not just getting hit with the banjo, the mandolin every, every 10th of a second. Right. And so what, what were some of your, um, what were some of your highlights on, on high top mountain? Yeah. I mean, this is, again, this is interesting because right off the bat, you get hit with was water in a well on cutting grass. I don't remember. It may have been on the second um, version, but these, the first two songs, life ain't fair in the world is mean and railroad of sin. Mm-hmm. You know, those were blue grassified 
Mm-hmm. So we, we know the, we know the high tempo sound of it. And like you mentioned with bluegrass, a lot of times I do think some of the wording might get lost a bit cause it's just so high paced. Um, yeah. but with these, you really do. It's a lot slower. And again, you've heard it before, but you'd really get a dig in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And as I was kind of hinting at earlier, I mean, right off the bat, like he digs into, I mean, this first song, he talks a lot about basically people trying to tell him, you know, to do things differently or whatever. And like this, a lot, he talks a lot in this album about people kind of doubting him or people trying to force him into doing certain things a certain way. And, you know, right off the bat, you get a lot of like his pushback to that. And, and, uh, Again, it's it kind of sets the tone for a little bit of a depression type of vibe. Like a mm-hmm. lot of songs, I think, are built around that. Um, and then Railroad of Sin, you know, you get a lot of a lot of that too. It's kind of funny how these three artists we've talked about to this point, they all talk about sin so much. Yeah, I, yeah. I've never really realized before we start breaking music down how much of music is built around like people figuring out the bad things that happen in the world and like the bad things they do. And like a lot of this album too. And the next one talks about, you know, the devil and sin every day and, and, you know, just the temptations of that. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting just comparing what we've already talked about and, and seen from Sturgill, uh, just some of the, some of the themes keep, keep showing up. Mm-hmm. And then another theme right after water in the well, sitting here without you, uh, you know, the, the, the girl, the, the women theme and how, you know, and with you on my mind. And I think you see that a lot with Sturgill, uh, especially at, at continuing throughout the career. And it's, it's a different take on um, like relationships and you get in hip hop a little bit because it's more, um, you know, I would almost say a lot more vulnerable uh, just on a consistent basis than uh, hip hop music, but still uh, the, the idea of having a relationship and, and, you know, finding a girl that kind of completes the artist is, is still there. And so that's, that's, I think that's interesting. And then the storm is, is a good song, but you could have the crown is I think one of the most Sturgill Simpson songs on this whole album. Uh, and so I wanted to know your take on that one, Hughes. Yeah. I, uh, so talking about my dad, I got him into Sturgill as well. Mm-hmm. I pull. I, I showed him. I don't mind, which is probably my favorite Sturgill song to this point. So good, so Every, good. Man, I throw that all in the car. I just start yeah. going, man. I had that Belton. Instagram story a few weeks ago. Belton, like, dude. I I do too. <laughs> I do too, man. It is. There's a world I want to leave, and that's the thing about Sturgill, man. He has a lot of those moments where you could just, you know, let it all go and just belt it out man like yes Sturgill I'm, I'm right there with you brother <laughs> yeah and I think that was the song where I really realized I loved banjo too because he has a couple banjo solos I'm like oh mm-hmm. don't stop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I should I stood in that song and then he got into a YouTube bench himself of Sturgill uh so I'm pretty happy about that but he just loves the line will they call me king turd up here on shit mountain <laughs> he loves it he loves it <laughs> it's funny because it's like it's kind of like an elementary type of line, but it is it's so funny and like it it works. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, again, this kind of fits into some of the themes we've talked about too, about uh, this was something J. Cole talked a lot about how, you know, these, these outside people look, look at these guys, like they're so successful and so happy and all that. But, you know, the, the music is a way to get into their mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this song is basically about like, yeah, like everyone kind of looks at me like I'm, I'm the king of the world and all that, but you can have the crown. Like I'm not, I'm not enjoying this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, I'm just sitting up here in shit mountain. It's not that great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I thought this was a really vulnerable song and, and it's funny because a lot of these vulnerable songs aren't like quick, but this is a pretty quick yeah. upbeat song, you know, but the, the actual words are a lot more kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. It's almost a satirical kind of song. Right. And you get that a little bit with Sturgill, uh, but, but onto what you're just saying on the next song uh, time after all uh, that is a slower and more vulnerable kind of take. And it, Sturgill, Sturgill's content and is like, <laughs> His, his themes of a song are so interesting and time time is definitely one of them through which we'll see especially on the next album i think you know his his idea of what he wants to do with his time and what 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 time means to him uh is, is definitely something that Sturgill likes to talk about and i think that this this is a really really good look at uh l- least like a, a glimpse inside uh Sturgill's mind on time after all yeah, again, time is another one. Mm-hmm. And I, it's kind of funny thinking about time because if you really sit and think about time, I think you're going to you're gonna like make yourself depressed because <laughs> literally every second, that's a second you're never going to get back. Like we're sitting here right now, like this is time that we're never going to get back, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like for me, like I'm happy. I'm happy to spend my time doing stuff like this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's something everyone needs to, to try to like get down. And I, again, as we're talking about pre-pod, like there's just a lot, the older you get, the more you kind of, your mind gets filtrated by, by the lies of life to some mm-hmm. extent. And, you know, we just, a lot of us willingly spend our, or throw our time away. Um, and yeah, I think this song is a good, a good uh, kind of description of that about how, like time is ticking and you know, there's nothing you can do about it. You just kind of, you got to just kind of try to spend it the best you can. And, you know, it's funny. He talks about like dreams in the beginning and how they kind of slowly go away. And again, Mm -hmm. that's like, there's just so many, there's like some main themes of this song or this album. There's some kind of small themes Mm -hmm. and he talks about his music a lot and like kind of the fluctuation of, um, or his relationship with it and how he would be stupid to throw it away. But like, sometimes he sees reasons why he thinks he should stop or whatever. So he, he just cooks a lot of these mini themes in, and this song I think is a good example of that. Yeah. I got one more on this album. I'd like to talk about Hughes, um, old King Cole. Uh, and then I'll let you, uh, take it over. Old King Cole is, and this is it's such a good, again, another example of who Sturgill really, really wants to be as an artist to kind of talk about his life and his experiences um, 
and how you know some of the bigger political i guess if you want to call it or societal issues that we have and he kind of starts you off talking about his uh, relationships to it but then he kind of undermines or throws in a little kind of you know what are we going to do like uh obviously on this one he's kind of talking about uh the coal mining industry or just like um at least his, like I said, his, his, his understanding and his perspective of it and how, even though his, his family was, you know, a big, big proponent in that and how a lot of them made made their money, it still is, uh, you know, what are we going to do when the mountains are gone? And so are you. And that just the simplicity, kind of the punchiness, you know, kind of going back to schoolboy Q theme of being able to slide that in there. Uh, you know, a decent message, but also uh, with a good foundational understanding of his background in it. Yeah, it is. It is fascinating. Um, And I kind of wish I did some more research on where he's from. Mm -hmm. But I know um, I know like West Virginia is just. West Virginia, a lot of people don't talk about it's very poor. And it's very, I think, I'm pretty sure coal mines are like a big thing there. They they were at one point at least. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a little different perspective of kind of the climate and like energy stuff that we talk about a lot now. Mm-hmm. And in a country of 330 plus million people, like everyone's struggle is not going to be emphasized the same way. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously, you know, just kind of the nature of it um and you know we're we're trying to rapidly kind of change the energy we use which i think most people can agree is a good thing uh just for like the longevity of human or mankind on this planet and all that mm-hmm. um but it is interesting to get this perspective about coal and like you know coal has base has been a foundation for a lot of communities in this country for a long time mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, it, it's kind of weird now. If you look back in like the 18 and 1900s, there were a lot of cities and towns that were literally built around a job and yeah. it's not really the same way anymore. Yeah. We kind of have, we kind of have our own communities and everyone works a different job, but I mean, there was, there was communities built around auto manufacturing and coal like oil, like all kinds of stuff was built around that. And slowly over time, those communities have been dismantled because, you know, car manufacturing has, has changed and like yeah. some plants have shut down and all that. Um, obviously we don't use as much oil and coal as we used to, because it's not strictly that anymore. Like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting just to, to hear him talk about how much of his life was built off of coal and when that when that day ends when coal is not even used anymore you know it's almost like his family history i don't want to say is meaningless but it's like everything he was built off of is gone mm-hmm. and it's like what, what are we going to do when that's all gone mm-hmm. um and i'm sure there's a lot of people in our country right now i don't think coal is going away anytime soon but when it does you know there's a lot of people going to be looking around like what the hell do we do now yeah um so it's kind of an interesting uh, alternative perspective with some of the energy stuff we talk about now. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a lot of people that, that rely on these kind of jobs and it's like, what happens when all that's gone? 
Yeah, but it doesn't feel like he's like forcing it. You know what I mean? There's a lot of artists that will try stuff like that, but it, it kind of feels like you're you're forcing this perspective on 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 these people. But I think in this song, uh, it's more of a it, it kind of just a like you like you said, a good perspective, like an interesting kind of look into it. And so uh, you got anything else on High Top Mountain that you want to talk about before we move on to Metamodern? Uh, just again, I'd have to be crazy. The last song mm-hmm. talks about, uh, again, as I mentioned, his relationship with music and it's, it's one of those songs where he's not specifically saying what he's talking about, but I mean, you can figure it out pretty easily, but like he says, I have to be crazy plumb out of my mind to fall out of love with you. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a good way to end now because he talks about he talks about the girls he lost too. And it's like, Oh, you could, you know, you could say it's about that. But like at the beginning of the song, he talks about music and how he'd be crazy to never play it uh, music again. So it's, I, I think it's a great um, way to close the album because again, from an outside perspective, like we, we can never figure out what is hundred percent going on in someone's mind. And I think this album was a great foundation of what he thinks about. Yeah. And the fact that he even wrote the song shows you that he's doubted his music before. Yeah. And maybe it's because other people have doubted his music and he's kind of let it infiltrate his thinking a little bit. Mm-hmm. But either way, he has doubted his music and whether he should whether he should continue. Um and from a first album that's pretty interesting. And I know he's he's made music before this. Mm-hmm. I forget that he was with a group yeah, long- Sunday Valley, I think is what yeah. they were called. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's where a lot of the cut and grass songs would come from too. Yeah, um, which I think is why he remade them because a lot of people probably didn't know them. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting from a first album, you know, as a solo effort for him to talk about how he's doubted his music and whether he should continue. So I I thought that was a really interesting way to to close the album. I think I did some uh, research and read something or something along the lines of he went to, so he's from Kentucky and he went to Tennessee when he was like young, like Nashville to probably, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, one of those ages to try to make it in the industry. And then he came back uh, as a failure kind of. And I believe uh, his wife, after listening to him play or something like that a couple of times, was like, dude, you have to go make music. And so that's where I kind of think this this song comes from. But I think you're right. It's, this album as a whole is a really good foundation uh, of who Sturgill is and who, who what, what kind of thoughts he wants to relay off to an audience. Uh, and then I think on the next album, Metamodern Sounds of Country Music, the title uh, is obviously uh, kind of a foreshadow of the album right he's trying to kind of switch it up a little bit but still he 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 still carries a lot of those themes right that he talked about from the first album at least lyrically uh into the second one um and then right away uh on metamodern sounds and country music uh one of my favorite songs uh and one of the ones that he played on that desk concert and i think he said uh, a lot of people have asked me about what 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 the songs what the song's about and he's like it's just about drugs a lot of drugs turtles turtles all the way down um and that 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 was the song on this album you talk about how you listen to a song and you're like wow 
okay, I, I kind of want to dive more into the album, right? The Turtles All the Way It's Down was a song that I heard on YouTube. It was probably listening to that um, desk concert. I was like, holy shit, what, what is this guy talking about, right? And so what, what's your take on that, well, the intro of this album? Yeah, I I love this song. And this this is what I was talking about earlier with, with the flip. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's right off the bat, basically talking about spirituality, mm-hmm. which which is a theme that we get from him later on. And I think that's why me and you connect him so much, because if you think about all the music we've shared with each other, it's basically all built around spirituality. Yeah. Like, I mean, him and Billy Strings, uh, Mac Miller, uh, you know, John Mayer, like all the stuff, all the guys that we really dove into. Mm-hmm. It's all kind of built around spirituality and like life lessons and all that. Um, and right off the bat, you know, we, we get, he's talking about Jesus and the devil and Buddha and, you know, the first album, God really wasn't much of a theme. He talked yeah. about the devil a lot, mm-hmm. but he didn't talk about God much. Um, so now, you know, now he's, the first album he was talking a lot about the negatives of life. And now he's talking about kind of the flip side to that. Um, like in the very first little segment of lines, he says, met Buddha yet another time. And he showed me a glowing light within, but I swear that God is there every time I glare in the eyes of my best friend. My and it's God, like, my God. So it's like good if that doesn't give you hope about life, I don't know what's going to do it. Literally. You know, it, it really hits you right off the bat. Um, so yeah, I mean, and it's kind of funny talking about drugs because again, I, I don't, I've. KOD is like the flip side to it, you know, and isn't that interesting. Isn't that interesting. Go ahead. But I, I just thought that was kind of interesting to point out. Well, yeah, what I was going to say is, I think a lot of these realizations actually come from drugs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, people talk about psychedelics a lot and I mean, I've heard so many stories about psychedelics and like the experiences it gives people. And a lot of people have their spiritual awakening through psychedelics Yeah, because from what I've heard about psychedelics, it kind of, it kills your ego and it breaks all those walls down that we establish on earth. And it really kind of just reveals your soul or whatever to like what's really happening. And I've just heard so many stories about how it's changed, how people see the world. And some of those, some of those experiences are bad. Um, But I, I think, I think a lot of the people that really are willing to like see the truth and all that of, of life end up, you know, having good experiences with it. But, you know, when he says this song is about drugs, it kind of makes me think about that. And maybe he got all these realizations from doing drugs. Yeah, there's uh, I just want to read you this, you know, and keep in mind, coming off that last album. Right. It, he did talk about a lot of um, things that aren't necessarily normal with country music, but still it was a foundational country music album. I mean, he didn't take many risks or anything like that. You know, it was, it was a quality country album, but then in this first, first song on meta modern sounds, he instantly talks about Jesus playing with flames and like a fire. 
I was standing in. And then he also says, there's a gateway in our minds that leads somewhere out there far beyond this plane where reptile aliens made of light cut you open and pull out all your pain. Like what he's putting that in the intro of his second album ever, man, you know, and you're, you're right. And then another line that kind of helps make sense um, of it all. And probably my favorite line of the whole uh, song. I mean, every single little like verse here, it's so it's, it's talks about something else and it's, it's such a weird kind of look into things, but um Every time I take a look inside that old fabled book, I'm blinded and reminded by the pain caused by some old man in the sky. That's 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 a pretty intense line to put on a country album. And then right after, which this is what this is like. This is Sturgill Simpson on his great day, what he could do. And it's just so good. Marijuana, LSD, psilocybin, DMT. They all change the way I see. But love's the only thing that's ever saved my life wow what what what's that mean and you're right like especially like coming from me being a guy that's done i guess some of those not all of them because i that's real intense um but like that's all that happens right you just get a different perspective on things whenever you're in these drugs and like you said a lot of these perspectives that you could get come could come to the realizations that that we need to kind of grow but at the baseline of all of these realizations, it's like love in some form, at least most of the time. And that that's just such a good way to put it, Hughes. And I, I wondered if you had a kind of take on that verse. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep driving this in the ground. Life is love and fear. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. You can break every single thing down to love and fear. And mm-hmm. he the way he said that described it perfectly. He's saying all these drugs change the way I see but love's the only thing that ever saved my life mm-hmm. because the drugs didn't save his life. They helped him see the truth and they helped him see the love. And that's, that's all that it comes down to everything that we have. Everything that we like to do is built off love. Everything mm-hmm. that scares us and that we don't like that comes from fear. And I mean, seriously, if you can break anything down in your life, it comes down to love and fear. Mm-hmm. And there's, a million different ways you can reach those conclusions, but ultimately that's, that's what it is. And I, we've talked about this before. Cause I think, I think we probably talked about with Jay Cole, but I think out of everyone I've listened to, he probably described it best with just those four lines right there. <laughs> yeah. Just a quick little punch. And it's like, wow. And so that song, and you know, we talked about in Schoolboy Q and Jay Cole on, the development of them, not just necessarily as a theme in their music, but as like a production as, and as a um, album as a whole. And I think right in this next song, life of sin after the heavy hitter uh, or life of sin after, you know, turtles all the way down, you get a lot of thinking, you know, a lot of like, what's this guy talk about? Yeah. Well, one, two, three. And then the tempo picks up and it's like, well, look, the things have been a little complicated, but um, <laughs> that's, and this is this is an, another kind of look into um, spirituality to an extent, right or wrong, not necessarily right or wrong, or just like finding your way, you know, and Life of Sin, you know, comes off as a, a song that's like, well, this guy has been, you know, living his whole life how he didn't want to. But in reality, it's like kind of him evaluating 
what what's what's kind of working for him and what's not working for him right and so um but again he still has these um he still has these kind of punchy one-liners that keep you listening you know well sex is cheap and talk is overrated and the boys and me are still working on the sound and it's just it's just it's a foot tapper man it's a foot tapper i don't know what else to say (laughs) yeah and again this is another uh this is another one that he turned into bluegrass Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I don't know which version I like more. I, this, they're, they're not too different, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, I, I do really like this one, uh, just the pace of it. And again, the lines, I keep drinking myself still the only way for this hill Billy. Like, mm-hmm. of course he says it way better than I ever could, but got a little it, twang. It, <laughs> yeah. I got a little, I, I got to work on the twang. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's in development. Uh, dude, all you got to do is sing Billy strings. All you got to do is sing Billy strings and it'll come natural. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, the, the one liners really, really grab you. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, like it's, it's good because just after turtles all the way down where he's talking about the good part of drugs, mm-hmm. he's talking about his over medicating and like how it's kind of, bringing him to a point where he despises himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a really nice follow-up. And, and as we talked about with J Cole and Schoolboy Q, these guys that are really good are able to show you both sides of the same thing mm-hmm. in a very, it could be back-to-back songs. It could be in the same album, but they will show you both perspectives because a lot of the things we experience in life, we do get both perspectives. Like, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, guys like this, they can really show you both sides. Like, here's the good part of drugs. Here's the bad part of drugs. And here's the good part of life. Here's the bad part of life. You know, like the guys that can do that in the same, some of you can do it in the same song, mm-hmm. but in the same album and like back to back songs, again, just, just a really nice way to tell the full story. Yeah. And something that I'm realizing, you talked about kind of like the ego earlier and it's like, you know, these guys are, we we keep saying vulnerable, but like, that's, that's really what it is. And it's the thing that's making them or allowing them to be this vulnerable or allowing them to have the truest kind of perspective and understanding on what's going on is that they're not trying to prove anything, right? They're not trying to like, their ego is not in the way of like, oh, this is who I think people want me to be, right? They're just, they're looking into their own mind and seeing and being completely honest about like what, what they think's going on. And I think living the dream is another good example of that, you know, and, and, you know, Sergio's not, Sergio, Sergio's not out here trying to tell you. And it's so funny because the name of the song is living the dream. He's not trying to go up out to you and prove like this, is, I'm living the dream. No, this is more of like, um, Yank, why would you wake up in the morning if you ain't living the dream? Right. And it, it's more of a, like, why 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 do you want to live the dream or why should we do these things instead of trying to like oh i'm living the dream right and so what what would you think about this one Hughes? yeah again first first uh four lines he just kills it i mean talking about putting the piece together for life a means to an end but the ends don't seem to meet like that's (laughs) such a beautiful way of describing it it's like that, that is like a perfect way of saying like, I'm working, but I'm not getting anything out of it. It seems like, 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think that fits into the, to the theme of the song really well. Um, and, you know, not to skip over the, the middle of the song too much, but I just love the last paragraph where he talks about uh, the, the chaos that God seems to like uh, instilling on all of us. Mm-hmm. And he says, said, son, if you ain't having fun, just wait a little while. Mama's going to wash it all away. And she thinks mercy's overrated. He's talking <laughs> about, you know, talking about mother nature and all that and how, man, like you may seem like you're having fun now, but there's something coming, buddy. You better get prepared for it. Yeah. And, and I just, and again, that's just a great way of describing life because I mean, things would be going great. And then that wrecking ball comes and tears it all down. Mm-hmm. And like, you got, you got no chance, but to, but to start putting those bricks back together and start building up yes, and there'll sir. be another, there'll be another wrecking ball coming down, but you, you know, after after a lot of wrecking balls hit you, you start knowing how to put them bricks up. You're gonna have that strong foundation. Yeah. Maybe the house doesn't get knocked down all the way. You know, maybe yeah. just the top half of it does. So, again, I I thought that was uh, a really great way. And again, the theme he just writes to the theme very very well. Mm-hmm. And then voices right after. You know, he this is this is one of my favorite songs on on the album. I don't know uh, necessarily why, but this one kind of just kind of relates to me to an extent you know it's like an inner conflict right that he's kind of talking about um but also just his his sound man the way he sings and that's and that's something we haven't really talked about we talked about his lyricism um we've talked about his you know production his work with the guitar but man there's some enchanting about his kind of deep and it's almost effortless voice, right? That kind of, it's just so nice to hear. And at some point in music, and we've kind of talked about this before, at least with Schoolboy Q, you just got to throw your hands up and be like, man, that sounds so good. And it's so enjoyable to listen to. And I think that this is one of the songs on the album. Um, and obviously his kind of take on society's impact and society's impact on himself and the inner conflict but still this is just one of those songs where i'm like goddamn sturgill could sing man yeah his range with his voice is nuts mm-hmm. i mean we we see the high side a lot because he has a lot of songs where he's kind of bellowing you know like he's really reaching those top limits and that's what i think a lot of people look for because most people can't get to that point mm-hmm. i think that's what separates a good singer and a bad singer is like can you hold a high note for a long period of time? Mm-hmm. And I mean, he kills it, but you know, to go off of another album, uh, the, the second volume of cutting grass, Jesus boogie, mm. like just another example, the beginning of that song, he's so quiet and low and so soft. And again, like that's just to go off of his voice. Like that's his, he can do that. And it sounds so good. He can be really quiet and soft, but he can also have that really high end, you know, where he's just, the music is so loud, but he's still louder than the music. You know, he can stand out above all those instruments. Yeah. And yeah, I I mean, I think, again, that's another thing that separates him from the pack is his voice is, is so unique and so strong. And he just proves that on every song. And then um, I think the next one's Little Light, which I did want to, or Long White Line, and then The Promise, uh, which I kind of want to talk about The Promise, but going off the the Bluegrass albums, I will say I did like, um, I think, A Little Light better uh, as a kind of country kind of rock song compared to uh, a Bluegrass song. What do you think about that? (laughs) 
Yeah, it's again, it's it's more of like a kind of a depressing song a little bit. And I think when you have the when you have the country in there, uh, it the the slower songs I think are just better country. Like that's the thing about bluegrass. I said earlier is when you have it when you have a uh, when you have a sad song like having banjo, it just doesn't make as much sense sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, just having that nice acoustic, I, I think it's better for those kind of songs. When you talk about twang, how about the gotta walk that road <laughs> all the way to heaven? I do. That, that is one of my favorite songs on, on this album. But um, and to the I want to go back to the promise. Um, you want to talk about like that, the range in his voice. Another example of how he could do it quiet right almost like as almost like a whisper as as a song sound but man does he does he hit it and does it sound so good um and the i promise and that it just kind of resonates man and i don't know what it is about it whether it's his kind of i i just think it's the way he delivers it is it's sound it's like i promise you i will and uh, this album you know this is a good example of kind of like the Valley in one of these albums. And then he kind of takes off and starts going up and picks and pick it up the tempo. But do you have anything about, I promise I wanted to, or that you want to talk about? I mean, yeah, I just think it's a, a really nice way of describing love. Basically. Mm-hmm. I think, I think a lot of people, especially our age kind of romanticize love to a point where they think it's just all, you know, flowers and sunshine. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they get hit with that one little argument or whatever, it, it like tears all that, all that down. And I think this is a good way of showing that like love, love is good and bad. Like there's, there's going to be fluctuation to it. It's not just a hundred percent great all the time. And I think this is a perfect way of, of really describing that, that like, I'm not all, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to say things the right way all the time, but the love is going to sew those wounds back up. Mm -hmm. And again, especially in music, I think love gets romanticized a lot where, you know, we just see the, and really just media in general, like movies, TV shows, like we see the happy ending. We see all the good stuff. And that doesn't, that's not reality. Like reality is that life is up and down. Yeah, and that includes love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when when you're around the same people for decades and decades, it's not going to be good all the time. You're going to have moments where you're going to fight or not agree or whatever, but you're still resting on that love, and like that's what's going to pull you back together. So I thought this was a really nice way of showing that. Yeah, and then you get um, a little light, which we which we already talked about, but kind of going more into the fact that love is a, is a process. You know, got to walk that road all the way to heaven. You know, got to walk that road until the dawn. Uh, I could just sing it. You know, the thing about Sergio's songs, I just want to keep going. Uh, but then just let go uh, after a little light, which I know we're going to want to talk about because boy, and I, I think I, I like this one a bit more um, bluegrass, but still I, it's different here. It, it's completely different. A little bit more of a, I mean, you get a little, harder kind of hitting instruments right i mean the bluegrass is is consistent tempo right and i think that that kind of adds to the song um at least the way it's structured but when you listen to it um kind of as a little bit slowed down it's like okay those lines kind of hit a bit more yeah 
I was listening to this last night and I was actually thinking I like this version better. Um, I mean, the bluegrass is definitely more fun again. Mm-hmm. It, it really, it's really like bouncy and, you know, really grabs you, but I, I feel like I can feel the song a little bit better this way. Yeah, it, you, it, can. The, you can. The lines kind of hook in a little bit more. Um, Cause again, you're not just there for the fun of it. You're there to really kind of feel it. Um, and yeah, I, I thought this was, again, this fits into the spirituality. I mean, right off the bat, woke up today and decided to kill my ego, you know, mm-hmm. which by the way, not an easy thing to do. No, it's uh, not as easy as advertised. Yeah. People not as easy. To- not as easy as waking up and deciding to. I can tell you that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you you got to make that decision every day and yeah. every moment of every day, because that ego doesn't go away. And that kind of builds off the voices song too. Mm-hmm. Like those voices come from your ego. You know, that's, that's where all that internal strife comes from mm-hmm. is you constantly are battling between yourself and the ego. Like that's, that's, that's life. I mean, the, the, the fear I was talking about earlier, that's, that's ego. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's not something that you just do and you do once. Like it's, you constantly have to evaluate your decisions and realize like, was this something I really wanted to do? Or is this something my ego pushed me to doing? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, uh, again, it's good to talk about killing your ego, but it's not something that you just do. It's, <laughs> it's, I don't even know. I really don't know if you can ever do it. Cause no. again, it just doesn't go away. You can battle it and you can, I think you can overcome it, but it's still going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I know how to defeat it, but there's some things I do, or I think, where I'm like, mm, that probably wasn't, that was probably ego right there coming yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so well, that's the thing. It's like a never ended journey. Like you, you could always learn more and your ego is kind of like that, that teacher, whether it's something that you want to do, right. Or whether it's, you don't want to do, I mean, your ego is going to be there to, but you know, I guess, uh, but another look into time, um, taking a 49, uh, divine day vacation from reality and all this in between going to transmigrate to my destination far beyond time and an eternal dream. Now, what the fuck is that? He is. You got any clue? I mean, obviously this guy's done DMT, but. Um. <laughs> I mean, not understanding what transmigrate means is kind of throwing me off a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I've heard that word before, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's yeah. I mean, definitely feels a little bit drug influenced, um, but also kind of just showing like, you know what? I think this is this is something I really have started evaluating in people. Is do you believe in an afterlife? Like, what do you believe? Because mm-hmm. man, I just find it so much more difficult to have discussions with people, even about things that aren't related to that. Um, if you don't believe in an afterlife, mm-hmm. if you think if you think everything is Earth, it's like man, I don't know if I can talk to you about this or that. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like over the past year, I've got such like a, a big, we're talking about big picture. I'm talking about fucking universal picture. Like, like I, I think of things in a much different way than I used to. Like when bad things happen on earth now, I don't always look at it from the, oh, that's so sad perspective. Because if you think about like, well, I've talked about humanity before. Like we all make up humanity. Everything that's ever lived makes up humanity mankind mother nature all that Mm -hmm. and it's it's a it's a collective knowledge of experience right and when bad things happen like we're feeding that 
knowledge to improve it in the future. Right. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like the end of the world or whatever people talked about this before is like when we finally get to a point of understanding where nothing bad happens anymore. Um, so, I mean, this is a tangent, but mm-hmm. you know, just, but I, I think what he's kind of talking about and he talks about in other songs too, is like the reality we have here is not, is not everything we have, or at least that's what I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, with drugs, I think a lot of people kind of see that you come out of yourself and realize there's way more than what we see on earth. Um, and you know, that's kind of what I take, take that is kind of like flickering back before back and forth between where we are now and where we're going. Um, and, and again, he's talked about that in other songs as well. Yeah. And then right after that, um, but am I dreaming? Am I dying? Either way, I don't mind at all. That's another one of those lines he used. Am I dream? <laughs> uh, <laughs> then, oh, it feels so good. You can't help but crying. Um, you have to let go. So the soul may fall. Uh, Hughes, I got a question for you. Um, a lot of what we hear about in spirituality is kind of is based around around the idea of letting go. Right. And so, so this, so the soul may fall. I mean, that that's kind of Sturgill's take on it, but what's your take on what, what letting go means? Yeah. Letting go is letting go of your attachment to anything. And I think that's what, when he says, let the soul fall, that's what it means is we get so much resistance on earth to like what we're supposed to get. And I think that's what makes life harder for us Mm -hmm. it's like oh i want to date this girl i want to marry this girl i want to have this job i want to get this car you know whatever i want to live here like all these things that we want that creates a barrier that can be broken down and like shatter us because we didn't get it Mm -hmm. but were we were we supposed to have that you know the more you think about life and again, I, I've talked about my past year a lot because that's where a lot of these discoveries have come from. But I'm like, man, the things I wanted last year, I realize now I shouldn't have had and not having that made me better. Yeah. So so the things that I want now, why should I want those things when the things that I'm supposed to have is going to come anyway? And I think the more you let go of those attachments and those wants that's where you really start to see the stuff that you're supposed to have. Cause again, going back to the collective knowledge, like the universe or God or however, however you want to describe it, like there's a plan set up for what we're supposed to get and what's going to make us, what's going to give our soul the best earthly experience. And, you know, again, to the, going back to the ego, like the ego determines these earthly wants and desires and, a lot of times we don't get those things and we get so upset. It brings our energy down. And it's like, we were not even supposed to have that. Like why, why get upset about, about something you didn't even want or you weren't supposed to have. So, I mean, I was just thinking about this last night, but it's like my life now, like I don't even really want anything because the stuff I've gotten, I didn't really want, I mean, like I want to have success. I want to do this and that, but like, you know, specific things like I want to have this job, I want to do this for a living or whatever, you know, like the the way that it's supposed to happen is going to happen. And you wanting it is not really going to help you get there, except I guess if it drives you a little bit more. But 
you know, you just let just, I think you should just let go and like do things a certain way and not specifically attach yourself to a certain goal. And like that stuff's going to come and you're going to have a lot less sorrow along the way. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, this is, this is kind of working out really well. Cause every line in this, every, I've already said that about a couple of these songs, but really Sergio's really, really good. And with country, you know, it's a little bit slower tempo most of the time. So you got, you got a lot less to fill kind of, so you could condense it a lot, but to end it on, Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Everything's a part of me. It's so hard looking through all the lies made of wool, but if you close your eyes, it becomes so easy to see. Wow. Wow. What are the lies made of wool? Is that like society's kind of um, impressions on how we should live our life? You think? Yeah, I would say so. Just based on things he's talked about already. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, again, going back to what I was saying earlier about being a kid, like the when you when your mind starts to get infected almost by society, like there's a, there's a reason why a small amount of people are successful. And man, I don't know how much. I mean, you know a lot about manifestation, but God, it's like every single person. I see talk about manifestation is like so successful. Mm-hmm. Like they, the, these small amount of people that have found the code, they end up getting success because of it. So why should we listen to all the people in between mm-hmm. telling us what to do? Like, Oh, you need to go to college. You need to get a job. You need to buy a house. You need to be married by this date and, and have kids by this day. Like that's that recipe works for some people, but it doesn't work for everyone. And, you know, Sturgill Simpson happens to be pretty successful. Mm-hmm. And I think it's part of it's because, you know, he realized that 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 code doesn't work for him mm-hmm. and it doesn't work for me. I can tell you that is, and of course, I already went to college, which <laughs> I'm happy about. But yeah, but this same. this nine to five life, I'm rejecting it like completely. Mm-hmm. It's it's it just doesn't work for me. And I'm not going to let society tell me that's the way to go because I don't agree with that, you know. And, and it's, I think he says it perfectly because he's like, close your eyes. It becomes so easy to see. Yeah. Cause you know, when you, when you don't let the world blind you anymore and Mm -hmm. when you just stay inside to what you really know down to your soul, that's, that's the stuff that's going to drive you forward. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, probably that was probably my favorite song on the album. If I had to be honest, what, what, what are you going with Hughes? Um, man, it's definitely up there. Um, the promise I really like too. Mm-hmm. turtles all the way down, obviously. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's definitely up there. Um, anyway, I like, I like how he, I like how he ends it with, uh, you know, if you close your eyes, it becomes so easy to see. And then boom, you got into, you get right into it ain't all flowers, which is another kind of theme of this album, you know, because Sergio has a way of making it sound so smooth and so, you know, nice and easy. Right. But then he comes and tells you, you know, it ain't all flowers. And this again, from a sound is like that hard, heavy hitting guitar, you know, that you don't really get. Uh, I think it's even like an electric guitar that you definitely don't get in bluegrass, which is probably why this wasn't remade. But um, what would you think of this one? Hughes? 
yeah, again, I think this is another good opposition to like the, the bright side of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you play with the devil, you know, you're going to get the horns, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's something he's, he talks about again with the devil and, and temptation. And again, it just, it continues to click like that. You keep going down those down, those bad roads and you're going to, you're going to see the downside of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he talk, talks about dancing with demons all his life. And every time he finds a groove, they cut in like a knife. And again, that's what we were talking about pre-pod, like the, the peaks and valleys of life, like the light life is just constantly a test. Mm-hmm. And when you get dragged down, if you just stay down, you know, the demon's going to keep holding you down. There, yeah. There's no, uh, there's no resistance to them. Why would they stop? Um, but you know, you got to keep, you just got to keep going because they're going to keep coming and it, it's either they take advantage of you and they win or you keep fighting and you win. So that's kind of what I take this song as. And, and it's nice to see. And again, this is kind of a, a progression from what we saw in the first album where, instead of kind of just talking about just the downsides of, of life and how, you know, he's down, he talks about kind of fighting that a little bit. Um, so I thought this was a nice, uh, nice progression from that. Uh, and then to finish it bonus track pen bowl, which is like, I, that's, it's, it's a good way to end the album, just a smooth kind of country, not high tempo, you know, but it's not a super slow song kind of talking about come, going back home. They, days are better um but i also think that you know you know kind of finding your niche coming back to what you know to an extent right you, we always want to change but kind of talks about in the song how he give anything to go back to the days where where he was young you know and being a kid you've kind of touched touched about that but um i thought that was a pretty good way to kind of end the album although it was a bonus track um so hughes any final thoughts on uh this 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 album or the first couple albums before we move into uh, a new chapter. Yeah. Again, just a really nice foundation um, for what he's made since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of establishing those themes. We like to see in these, in these early albums where we see what, what are they thinking about in this time and kind of where are they going with that knowledge? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the second one was what's much better personally, just listening to it. Yeah. Um, they're both pretty short. They're both about 40 minutes. So pretty quicky, quick, punchy uh, songs. But again, they, they really hit. He's really good with like really economical with the lines, which mm-hmm. I always like. Uh, just... Economical. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if you can make a good song in three minutes, man, that's great. You know, not yeah. a lot of guys, not a lot of guys. If you, Some guys need four or five minutes to make a full song. Yeah. But he's pretty good at doing it in three minutes. So mm-hmm. uh, that's that's always good. But yeah, uh, really good sounds, really good lyrics, just overall um, a really nice way to start his uh, solo discography. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed both these albums. I like like we talked about, I've already heard a bunch of them because of the bluegrass stuff, which we kind of went into. But, um, you know, it's always good to hear him as as he wanted to to start out and then um, add, add a couple different versions to it. Um, but I liked, uh, I would say I'd like meta modern a bit better as well. I think it was more complete of an album, more put together, kind of flowed a bit, um, more, but I mean, these next two albums that we're going to talk about, he is, 
there's some heaters, Bob. There's some heaters. Um, I think why don't we just do do we do you want to do a so pot about the um bluegrass albums as well? So we you just want to do two, two, and two. Oh yeah, we gotta okay. talk to bluegrass. We gotta talk bluegrass. All right, that's fine. So uh next next week, I mean, I think we could start get, getting back on a weekly basis. Use your you're done with your vacation for a little bit, eh? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Ready to work. Okay. Well, next week then we'll do um, Sailor's Guide to Earth, which was a, uh, I think Grammy won best best country music or best country album in the Grammys one year. Um, and then Sound and Fury, which is not a country album. So looking forward to talking about those, Bob. Um what do you what 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 can we what what I know we listened to it, but what are you what are you looking forward to most about this next week? Yeah, I mean the the rock twist obviously is uh different and I, I've listened to that, but it's been a while. So like there's gonna be a lot of rediscoveries, I think, with that one. For Sound and Fury? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to you listening to through that album, like kind of all the way through, because boy. Uh, that, that that was the one that I started with though, so that's why I kind of have that attachment to it. Yeah, I'm excited for that because again, this will be uh, the third genre that we've really gotten out of him. So yeah. that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, and then Sailor's Guide, obviously, I've listened to that a bunch, but God, man, mm-hmm. every time, every time Welcome to Earth comes on, I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah. excited to get back into that and uh, just really. Uh, really soak in the Sturgill. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing. It definitely is Sturgill. It's summertime, you know, summertime, throw some Sturgill on, get them instruments going. Well, uh, if, uh, thank you for listening. We got a little plug going on plug time going on. If you would please rate, subscribe and review on Apple podcasts. Um, follow us on your podcast form of choice. Of course, we're on a lot of them. Follow us on social media, the running hook at the running hook on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram. Um, this week, Alex and Dylan basketball power. Hour, we got a monologue from AB. What's uh, what, what's going to be happening there? Is you not showing up to a Alex and D basketball power hour or what? <laughs> Well, I think he recorded that during my off week. Um, oh, okay. Okay. He, uh, he couldn't replace me. You know, he just couldn't find anyone as good. Yeah. Had to just do it on his own. Yeah. So he did that. And then uh, we returned late last week to discuss some of the semifinals. And next week we'll be back with the conference finals. Probably some Ben Simmons slander coming from me at least. Yeah. He's, I mean, I've, I mean I've, uh, I've seen a lot on Twitter about that. He's a... Uh... I didn't watch any of the games, but man, he, he's been getting roasted on Twitter. I think even doc said something that was kind of rough. Yeah. He's a uh, man. He had a, he had a wide open layup under the rim, passed it up. I mean, it was, it was really tough. So there'll be some good slander in there. You know, I love my slander. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I love, you know, I try to be positive, but when it comes to basketball, Slander. I'm tearing everyone down. So <laughs> that's what I, that's what we have to look forward to. Lynn Sanity's got the playoffs uh coming up still. Britain pretty pretty weird uh NBA. Pretty pretty weird NBA playoffs, right? We got someone a bunch of kid guys gonna win their first ring. I think Giannis is gonna win his first ring, possibly. Who else? Booker, Trey Young in the Eastern Conference Finals. Are you serious? What is happening in the NBA? Anyway, we'll we'll be covering it all on the network. Circle City Cinema, of course. Got a lot coming. Boys in the Hood. Have they got that out yet? 
Boys in the Hood? I don't know. I know they've been talking about it for a while. Yeah. Anyway, I got Best Picture Draft. Uh, and then Devin Voss, The Wolf of Wall Street, favorite movies. Great one. Great one. Good Leonardo performance. Um, T.O.P. going to release something here soon. Battleground's going to fill in once uh, playoffs are done. And then uh, non-running hook plugs, p- facts and stats by J.D. Hall, of course, as always, from young, one young soul to another. Dylan Hughes' first book, working on another one, uh, though, as he kind of might have given a little foreshadowing, too. So it's good to hear Hughes. Looking forward to that. And then Den of Dorts with DJ Deke. Hughes, anything else before uh, we sign off? You know, I got to get some golf talk in there, man. Oh, shit. Yes. Okay. John Rom. John Rom. I forgot, forgot about golf. What it? Just overcomes the, the COVID fucking of two yes. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Shows up and wins his first major. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a day yesterday. He was down like four strokes just on the back nine, just completely pulls it out. Hits two huge putts. Oh, my and, God. And just steals it. Oh, my God. Okay, but what about that back nine? And we're talking about the U.S. Open, Torrey Pines, 121st running of it. We had You had all the heavy hitters, DeChambeau in the lead, um, Roy McIlroy up there. Um, who else am I thinking of? Who else? Ustaisen, I mean, he had the lead for a while. Uh, but you had a bunch of these big names that all just fell in the back nine, right? And and Rom was, I think, like at three under, four under. No one was really talking about him. But he he held through. No bogeys in the back nine. Hit a big birdie putt on 17 into the sand. Needed an up and down to take the lead at the U.S. Open in 18 surprising shot out of the sand, right? Didn't really go for the pin, left himself a chance to putt. And did he fucking sink it or what, man? Oh my goodness. Dude, he's hit in the past year. He has hit some incredible putts. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, God, man, he is, he's one of my favorites. He's just so good. T to green, man. And, uh, you know, really happy for him. And I'll say, I do feel bad for Ustazen because, that dude has won one major and finished second six times now. Dude. So he's always up there, but he can't close it out. But he I'm happy. Had it. Yeah, I'm happy Ron won, but it stays in, man. He hit one into the penalty on 17 when he had a two-shot, two-stroke lead. And I'm like, dude, you cannot be doing that in, the, in a major championship. You cannot be doing that in a major championship. Felt bad for him, but, you know, you kind of see why he's got so many second place finishes. <laughs> <laughs> Feel bad to say it, but um, was a fun tournament. I really enjoy watching golf. Uh, nice, soothing. And my brother was helping me work on my swing the whole time. So I'm going to be shooting under par probably by the end of the year. <laughs> PGA yeah, in about two. Hey man, me and you 10 years, I think is, I think 10 years we'll be on the tour together. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a nice little Ryder cup pairing. I mean, I yeah. think that'd be a nice uh, circle mm-hmm. to all this. Yeah. 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 I, I finally hit the course last week. Uh, tough showing. I'll say it was a uh, tough showing for me, but you know, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna hit the driving range today. Maybe mm-hmm. um, I, I've, uh, I've discovered probably the par three is a good start just to stick with the par three course, get them kind of work on the contact a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And then uh, next summer, we'll obviously start working towards that PGA grind. All right. (laughs) Hughes, it's been a good one. Love Sturgill. Love golf. It was a good weekend. Definitely was a good weekend. All right, Bob. Thank you, everyone, for listening uh, to The Divine Rhyme on the Running Hook Podcast Network. We'll see you next week.